Well, good morning, church, family. Hi, my name is Thomas, <clears throat> and I have been a part of the Friendship Church family on and off since I was in first grade, and I won't try to calculate how many years that is, uh, but it is uh, truly because of that history uh, it is a joy, it is an honor to be asked by Pastor Matt to share the Word of God with you today. Like I said, I was a kid here, I was a kid, and so thank you to any of you who do anythings, anything with the kids at this church. Thank you for serving. And I was also a teenager here, and thank you for any of you who do anything with any of the teenagers here, including some of mine, who are being blessed by your work. And I was married down the hall in the chapel. And thank you to many of you who have modeled marriage for my wife and I and so many of us over decades. Faithful marriage examples, marriage mentors. Uh, so thankful. Uh, and four of my kids were born here. Uh, not here, here, uh, that would be awkward, uh, but born while I was on staff here. My first 10 years in ministry was uh, here at the church, and uh, thank you for those of you who have kids and are loving your kids for Jesus and towards Jesus. Uh, so thankful for the church family here. Uh, our pastors are preaching through the book of Mark with this series, Open Your Eyes. And today we're in Mark chapter 7. And because you're going to hear lots of words from me today, I asked two of my favorite people that were born here, but not here, here, uh, to come and share uh, the words of Mark 7 with you. So Hope and Nathan, if you will join me. Um, got a slide. Let's, as they're coming, here is what uh, kind of the map in this first half of Mark 7 that we're looking at. What you're going to hear in the first few verses is the leaders come and they challenge Jesus, and then Jesus responds to those leaders. The, then Jesus calls the crowd together. He says, hey, we all need to hear something together here. And then Jesus moves into private with his disciples. So Hope and Nathan are going to read us through the passage. If you've got your phone or your Bibles or your anythings with that, follow along with us. All right. Mark 7. Now the Pharisees gathered to him and some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, and they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And he said to them, Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites? As it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain, they do, in vain do they worship me. Teach, teaching the doctrines of the commandments of men, as you leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your traditions. For Moses said, 
honor your father and mother, and whoever reviles their father and mother must surely die. But you say, if a man tells his father or mother, whatever you have gained from me is Corban, that is, given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making the void thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and many such things you do. And he called to the people, to him again, and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand, there is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable, and he said to them, then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whenever that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled? Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. Thanks, <clears throat> Thanks family. <clears throat> what a fantastically uplifting passage we have found ourselves in this morning. Jesus starts by calling people hypocrites, and he ends by saying, you're all evil. Every person is wicked to the core. What a fantastic, blessed, uplifting place we have found ourselves this morning. The stories before this one are miracles and raising from the dead and walking on water, and the stories afterwards are celebration. Jesus, woo! So thanks, Pastor Matt, for giving me the everybody is a hypocrite and evil passage. <laughs> but why would Mark, through the Holy Spirit, put this here? Why not another story about another healing? Why not another story about Jesus doing something amazing? Why not? Because part of our spiritual journey is having our eyes opened to the wonder and the power and compassion of Jesus. And part of our spiritual journey is having our eyes opened to the things that tie up our hearts and drag us away from Jesus so that we can see them and hack away for freedom at the things that may drag us away. And so this scene is as important for opening our eyes to who Jesus is. It's a series of warnings, the warnings to the religious about the kinds of actions and the kinds of attitudes that are weights around the ankles of our souls and might pull us down into a spiritual drowning. Jesus wants to set us free from things, but in order to know what I'm supposed to be set free from, I need to know what I'm supposed to be set free from. 
And so let's, let's try to make this connection right away. As Jesus tells these people, as Jesus tells us to beware of these evil things, he is not saying it in order to shame us, condemn us, or leave us in a hopeless place. Jesus is saying, beware of these evil things because I want to set you free. I want you to grow. I want you not to be limited by yourself by your sinful habits and tendencies. I want to set you free. When you have a loving friend in your life who comes and speaks a warning to you, you know they care for you, right? They say hard things, but you know they care. And that's what this passage is for us. So if you feel any pokes, from the Holy Spirit, any tugs from the Holy Spirit, understand, again, it is not to shame, condemn, or squash you down. It is the Holy Spirit saying, let's get free. Let's get free. So let's dive in together. The scene opens with the Jewish leaders traveling from capital Jerusalem to investigate this strange character, Jesus. They've traveled a few times. They've seen a few times. They're trying to figure out what he is about. And they uh, notice that his disciples are eating in a way that they don't approve of, that their oral laws and traditions don't approve of. And that's what's repeated three times in the first three verses. The tradition of the elders, many other traditions, the tradition of the elders. So what's being talked about here and what Mark explains, if you have in your Bible, he gives a little parenthesis and he tries to explain to help you understand the traditions um, that the Jews would practice. And these were oral laws that explained how to obey God's scriptural laws. So where the scripture said, God said, uh, for example, uh, keep the Sabbath holy, right? Ten commandments. Honor the Sabbath day, keep the Sabbath holy. Then the leaders of the Jews would come with all kinds of oral laws or traditions, the traditions of the elders, to tell you this is how you should keep the Sabbath holy because we want to honor the Sabbath. And so here is 89 ways that you need to be careful about how you live in order to keep the Sabbath holy. Or like Mark focuses on here, they had um, laws in the Old Testament about how to keep yourself clean, right? Laws about cleanness. And so the leaders of the Jews would come up with all kinds of oral laws or the traditions of the elders to explain, here's how you need to really stay clean. If you're going to honor God, when he says stay clean, you better really, really, really stay clean, even in the way that you wash your couch. Did you hear that? The way that you wash your cups, the way that you wash your bowl, the way that you wash your couch, you better be really careful. But the purpose behind the oral traditions was a good purpose. It was to protect God's law. It was to honor the Lord. And so we can say this kind of in general for them and for us. Traditions are the way we guide our life toward what we believe is important. Their traditions and the traditions that we are committed to 
are the ways that we guide our life toward what we think is important. Uh, How many of you with children have certain traditions or laws about screens in your home? I bet you do. If you care about your kids, I bet you do. How many of you have kids at home and you have laws or traditions about what kinds of foods it's appropriate to eat at different times of day? Right? Yes, you do. For your benefit and for theirs. Okay? We have traditions that guide the way, that guide our life toward what we think is important. I have some serious traditions about how the dishwasher should and should not be loaded. All right? And it seems that in my house, I'm the only one who can keep up with the tradition of getting it just the right way. You put a fence around what you think is important. That's what these oral laws were trying. They were trying to put a fence around what they believe was important. In our church, we have ways that we do and that we don't do baptism, right? We have ways that we do and that we don't do communion because we're trying to protect the heart of it. We have lots of traditions. They had lots of traditions. And these traditions can be beneficial unless... Traditions can be beneficial unless we forget God's heart of love, patience, mercy, gentleness, and self-control as we live out our traditions. Traditions can be beneficial unless we call someone a sinner for breaking our tradition. And that's what's happening in Mark. Nobody here, Jesus' disciples, are not disobeying God's word. They are breaking the traditions of the elders. And they are filleted for it. Jesus is called into question. So how does Jesus respond when their priorities and our priorities get us crooked against God? These guys are crooked against the Lord and they're crooked against other people. How does Jesus respond when our hearts get crooked Well, he starts with a bazooka blast in verse 6. He says, Jesus said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites. As it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. I don't think Jesus' words need a lot of interpretation. They don't need a lot of updating here. Jesus is warning them and he is warning us to beware when your lips move or your life moves and you don't care about God. Jesus says, you can do a lot of good. It's good to do good, yes? It's right to do right. You can have high standards. But if your heart is far from the Lord and far from others, you're doing what you do in vain. It's empty. 
So Jesus' first caution for us, his first warning for us is to beware of robotic religion where actions are performed but our hearts are disconnected from God and others. Beware of just doing your traditions and doing what you feel is right but you're not caring Your heart's not engaged with the Lord. Your heart is not compassionate towards others. At a church in the past, I had a man who I knew who uh, gained a lot of my respect. He would come week after week and he would say, "Uh, Pastor, this is the, the good books. Legitimately, this is the good books I read this week. And this is the preachers I listened to this week. That's good preachers. And uh, this is what I um, did this week. So he was reading good stuff. He was listening to good stuff. He was saying good stuff. Gained a lot of respect. And as the years went by, his children, one by one, walked away from the Lord. And then his wife walked away from him. And then it came back that in their home, he was mistreating all of them abusively. And so he was coming, listening to the right stuff, reading the right stuff. And in his home, he was the law with a heavy fist, sometimes literally. Beware of robotic religion. His heart was disconnected from the love of God, the mercy of God, and pouring out that love and mercy on the beautiful family that God had provided him with. He was what Jesus calls here a hypocrite, a pretender who says one thing and does something else. Beware of robotic religion. We're we're doing good, but our hearts, is my heart chasing after my Savior like my Savior has chased after me? Some of us have been really wounded by hypocrites in the church. Some of you have scars from how others have acted in ways that they should not have acted We all have times of hypocrisy, don't we? In our day-to-day life, we all have times where our hearts run a different direction away from the Lord or our actions are against our families or against other people and they're not holy. Some of us have been wounded and we all battle with hypocrisy at different times. That doesn't get us, it doesn't get the first group off the hook. Uh, If you have been a hypocrite who's wounded others, If you've been a hypocrite, when we're hypocrites, what that does is it gives us all a chance to hear sweet words from Scripture, like we find in James 4, 8, and 10. When I see hypocrisy in me, when I have wounds from hypocrisy, I need to hear words like this, draw near to the Lord, and he will draw near to you. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will do what? He will lift you up. If you've been beat down by the hypocrisy of others, humble yourself before the Lord and let him go into that place of healing 
and he will lift you up. If you find yourself tripping over your own hypocrisy, humble yourself before the Lord. Draw near to him and he will draw near to you. That's Jesus' first caution to us here. Then he moves on in verse 9. He gives an example of this kind of crooked religious activity. Jesus said to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, If a man tells his father or mother, Whatever you have gained from me is Corbin, that is, given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother. Here is the main point here, verse 13. And thus you make void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. So we have this word Corbin here. We need to understand to know what example Jesus is giving. And the word Corban is the Hebrew word for a vow or an offering. So someone would say, I am going to Corban my money or I'm going to Corban my sheep or my ox. I'm going to dedicate it to the Lord. I'm making a vow that this part of my possessions or this part of my life is given to the Lord. Sounds good so far, right? Making a vow to God? Giving to the Lord? That sounds good so far. What these folks were doing was saying, Lord, I give you everything. I give you all my house, all my money, all my stuff. It is Corbin for you, Lord. And then when their parents were aging and in need of their support in this traditional community, the children, the adults... The adult children would say, sorry, mom, sorry, dad, can't help you because I've already dedicated all of my stuff to the Lord. So you're on your own. Good luck on your way to dying. And then they would keep all their stuff for themselves until they died. And they'd say, well, the Lord can have it when I die. So they would keep all their money and they'd use all their money and they'd use all their stuff They had let their parents suffer while they said, Corbin, it's for you, Lord, while they used it for themselves. That doesn't sound so good, does it? That does not sound so good. So Jesus says, the word of God plainly says, honor your father and mother, take care of your father and mother, and you are twisting it in order to violate what God's word says. That's the second picture We have here, and he says, you are making void the word of God. You're making void, like you're canceling what God has said to do what you want. That's caution number two. Beware of habits or traditions that replace God's word with my personal preferences. That's that's exactly what Jesus is saying here, right? You're voiding the word of God for what you want or what you think is important. Now, make a connection with me. The Pharisees could explain the rationale to themselves, right? 
they could explain. They could make it sound really good. I'm giving everything to the Lord. I'm giving everything to the Lord. My parents, they could make it sound really good, and it was really wrong. Which is a caution for us. Of course, you can make the things that you prefer in your life sound like the best idea. Right? Your idea is always the best idea. The way you think things ought to go or ought to operate always sound like the best idea. And I'm chuckling, but that strikes my heart. I can think something is really good, and I can have a really good rationale for it, and it can still be really wrong, as Jesus is saying. I used to yell a lot as a younger father. I yelled a lot. And I always had a good reason for yelling. I always had a good reason. They're disobeying, they're not moving fast enough, they're talking back, they're this, they're urinating where they're not supposed to be urinating, whatever. I always had a good reason for yelling, and guess what? I was always wrong for yelling. Because the word of God says, fathers, be gentle with your children and bring them up in the way of the Lord. We're not talking about yelling to rescue them from traffic. We're talking about yelling because that's my habit and my way of dealing with kids that are not doing what I want them to do. Beware of habits or traditions that replace God's word with personal preferences. Hey, Pharisees, you should honor your father and mother. Well, I have this other Corbin idea, so about what God says. Scripture tells us, flee from sin. Well, I've got these other ideas over here to what God says. Redeem the time, Ephesians 5 says. Use your life wisely. Well, Netflix is so much easier than redeeming the time, what God says. Love your enemies and pray for those who have harmed you. Well, I don't think you understand. Care for those who hurt you. Care for the alien and the stranger among you. Well, there's 1,500 troops on the border that are going to take care of that. Not me. Jesus says, abide in me and I will bear much fruit through you. I think I'll abide in myself. Can you imagine how much fun I had writing these ideas together this week and knowing that we had to do this together? Beware of habits and traditions that replace God's word with personal preferences. Uh, it, uh, the church we served at in Wisconsin for five years, a man, uh, a regular attender, came up to me one Sunday and he said, I love the pro-life movement. I said, Amen. He said, I think our church should be involved in the pro-life movement. I said, amen. He said, I think we need to speak about the pro-life movement every Sunday morning in our church service. I said, I don't think so. We're going to stick with Jesus as our main focus. And he said, 
then I'm leaving the church. Okay. Beware of good traditions, good goals that might replace God's word with your personal preferences. Hey, can I ask another hard question? Um, What do you demand from others? And is it your expectations based in them being blessed by the word or are your demands about expecting them to do things the way that you prefer that they would do things? Beware of habits and traditions that replace God's word. Jesus moves on in verse 14. He calls the crowds together and he says, Hear me, all of you, and understand there is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. Remember what the Pharisees are upset about here. Jesus' disciples are eating lunch or whatever meal with hands that weren't washed according to the traditions of the elders. So, because they have dirty hands, the food, the food that they're eating is going to go inside of them and it's going to make them sinful. Because you didn't do it our way, now you're sinful. You didn't follow the rules, now you're sinful. The food, the food and the dirt outside of you makes you sinful inside. And Jesus says right here, verse 15, the things that come out of a person are what defile him. It's not the things that are outside of a person. So to bring that to us, bring that home to us, it is not eating incorrect food that makes you sinful inside. It might make you sick in your stomach, but it doesn't necessarily make you sinful just because you ate that. It is not eating lunch with dirty hands that brings sin into your body. Now let's get a little more personal. It is not the traffic around you when you drive that forces you to be sinful. The traffic doesn't bring dirtiness into you. It's not when your kids are extra noisy that brings dirtiness into you. It's not when you bang your toe or your elbow that makes you to be sinful. It's not when someone mistreats you that makes you dirty inside. It is not your annoying sister's annoyingness that makes you sinful. It's not when you had a bad day at work. The bad day outside of you does not bring into you dirt. What does Jesus say? Caution number three, beware of blaming externals for when you act wrong. Beware of blaming externals for when you act wrong. Now let's try to figure this out a little bit. Do our external daily circumstances influence us? Absolutely. What happens when I stub my toe influences my moment. Right? 
It influences me, and the way that it influences me is by drawing out what was already inside me, is what Jesus says. So I have here my two bottles representing two different people, and both have something different inside of them. We did this as a family a couple of months ago, and for some of my kids, they're like, oh. We have person number one here. We have person number two here. Both of them have something inside of them. And this is the circumstance that they were not expecting to come into their day. Maybe it's a stub toe. Maybe it's somebody acting like a jerk to them. Maybe it's a flat tire. Maybe it's not the same amount of money that I was expecting. This is the circumstance coming into my life. And person one has something inside them. And as the circumstance comes in, it reveals what's inside of them. And this is person number two. And when the same circumstance, this is the key. You got two different people in traffic, right? Do, the, do those two people in the same traffic act exactly the same way? They don't. Why? The traffic's the same. Jesus says it's because of what is inside them. And so this same circumstance comes into the life of person two. And they have a very different response. What comes out of them is based on what was already in them. And so here we have person, uh, gr the green person, the person of peace, the person who's been walking with Jesus, the person who's been feeding on the Holy Spirit. And I'm not really trying to make a joke, I'm kind of saying it as uh, in a silly way. This is the person who's been growing and abiding and really seeking the Lord. And when they're stuck in traffic, they're able to respond. When they stub their toe and they're hurting and they're hopping around, but what's coming out of them is what's already been inside of them, and it's been Jesus. And you have the person over here who's just been saying, my way, my way, my way, me, 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 me. And what comes out of them is, well, what does Jesus say? The things that come out of a person are what defile him. Beware of blaming externals for when you act wrong. This is so opposite of our culture my friends, this is so totally opposite that we got to call it out so that we can have a chance to see and hack away at this mindset that will drag us down. Because what is our culture's mindset? Our culture's mindset is, I will have a quick, hostile reaction to anything that punctures my space if it's not the way I like it. I will blame others for anything going wrong around me, and I will minimize my responsibility for the situation so that I don't have to do anything about it. If it's always somebody else's fault, then I never have to do anything about it. Beware of blaming externals for when you act wrong. Let me give you an awesome promise verse for when... Uh, for, for these moments when you are shaken and you want something better to come out. 1 John 4.4. 4. 1 John 4.4 4 says, you are from God. So this is a verse for believers, for people who are born again, walking with him. You are from God and greater is he that is where? In you than he that is where? In the world. So this verse, 1 John 4, 4 says, all of those externals and all of the 
Okay, all of the devastating moments of life, all of the difficult moments of life, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That's good news. That's good news unless I keep wanting to blame everybody else. But if I want to walk in strength and power and hopefulness, hey, I got a Holy Spirit inside. I got a Holy Spirit Hulk inside who's stronger than those circumstances around me. That leads us to Jesus' grand finale here that is really uncomfortable for the rest of us. Verse 20, Jesus said, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man come, and he lists off 13 sample sins, 13 sample evils. He gives a good mix of action, sins of action and sins of attitude. Out of the heart of man come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. Several years ago, Nathan, who read for us, was mowing the lawn. He went under our porch to mow the lawn He didn't know that there was a wasp's nest under the porch. And as he was mowing, his head, his handsome head, hit the wasp's nest. And out of the wasp's nest came a black cloud of pain and death. Zap, 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 zap on his head. Zap, 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 zap. There was screaming. It was appropriate. I would have screamed too. I might have screamed. And I didn't even get stung. Uh, Jesus says... There's a swarm of darkness that comes out of the human heart apart from the work of God. It's a swarm of evil. Your greatest problem, my greatest problem, is what's inside of me and will come out of me when squeezed if Jesus isn't involved. I read that list of 13 things quickly because I try not to have to stare at them too long, but we need to, we should. Some people say, follow your heart. Based on what Jesus says here, I say, please don't. If somebody said, um, <clears throat> let's go bake a cake today with no recipe, I have one daughter who that would be a good idea with. She's a magician in the kitchen. And for everybody else in my family, if you said, bake a cake with no recipe, just make it up as you go, I'd say, that's a terrible idea. That's a terrible idea because me putting my ideas forth and trying to bring something beautiful out of the kitchen is going to wreck it. It's going to wreck it. Please don't make a cake without a recipe. Please don't follow your own heart. It will not come with a good outcome before the Lord. Caution number four. Be aware of what is on the throne of your heart. Be aware of what is on the throne of your heart. Let's bring things in towards a conclusion. Did you hear that? Towards a conclusion. Not 
at the conclusion. Let's bring things towards a conclusion uh, with, a, with some visuals about what the scripture says about our hearts because I want us to end with hopefulness here. The scripture says our heart is the functional control center of us. It, other words are used, our soul, our heart, our personality, whoever, the, the, the core me the motivating part of me, Scripture calls the heart. And so, therefore, whatever my heart lives for or longs for is what spills out in my daily life. Whatever my heart, and this is just getting in the, with the whole passage, right? Jesus said, it comes out of you. What comes out of you? What comes out of you? It's not what's, what is outside. So outside of me is my family. My family is external to me, and whatever is in control of my heart, whatever I love most, that's going to influence how I love my family, treat my family, interact with my family. Are you with me? Whatever is in control of my heart, whatever has the most authority, the most motivating power in my heart is going to control how I use my lips how I use my words, how I speak to others, and how I spend my money. My money, money itself does not have power. What has power? My heart has power that directs how I spend my money. And on and on, all of these areas, how do I respond to struggles? I'm going to respond to struggles based on what my heart loves most or is most committed to. And so with my time, I'm going to use my time, I'm going to use my job, I'm going to interact with my church. I'm going to choose my sexuality based on what's on the throne of my heart. Now the scripture says that in the beginning God made Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and everything was perfect and harmonious because what was on the throne of their hearts. He was on the throne of their hearts. And when God was on the throne of their hearts, they were getting family right. They were getting work right. They were getting time right. They were getting sexuality right. Because God was in charge. Adam and Eve chose to say no. We think we have a better idea with this tree. We're going to go with our way. And so they replaced God with their self. And when the self came to be in control, it started affecting the family. It started to affect the way they talk, right? In Genesis 3, don't they immediately start blaming each other, pointing, pointing, pointing? It's not me! Their words immediately fell. They began to have struggles and respond to it in the wrong way. We see with Cain and Abel. And this infected all of humanity. And this is the condition of our hearts when we're born, right? Jesus says... From out of the heart come evil thoughts and on and on and on. When our self is in charge, we try to do all the things the way we prefer. Be aware of who is on the throne of your heart. Sometimes we don't think of it as ourself on the throne. We might love safety. We might value safety the most. And so safety is the thing that I think about with my family. And the safety is the thing I spend my money on. And safety and it could be pleasure. What I want most is pleasure. I want to feel good. I want to feel relaxed. I want to be, or it might be health. might be the most important to me. Is health a bad thing? Health is not a bad thing. 
But if health becomes the dominating and controlling thing, or lust, or greed, or my phone, right? The phone can dominate how you interact with your family or disconnect from your family. The phone can determine how you spend your money and how you spend your time and how you use your sexuality. Anything on the throne that isn't Jesus leads to all of these cautions that we've seen today. Jesus came to earth, walked among us, showing us what it would be like to live with God in control of our hearts, And then he died to pay the price for all of our heart wreckage. And then he rose from the dead and offered to share the power of new life and a new heart with us. Does your heart need to surrender to Jesus again this morning? And what I find is that my Christian life is a, is, a, is a recurring resurrender my heart to Jesus. That's the Christian journey. I just surrender again. Ah, Jesus, here I am doing it my way. Would you please take over? Ah, Jesus, here I am again using my words in an angry way. Would you please take over? And the gospel invites that. Jesus died so that you could have new life. So now, let's conclude thinking about our hearts. Do you come in this morning with a dead, dark, disconnected heart? Ezekiel 36 has the promise for you. God says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses and from all your idols, I will cleanse you. What an awesome promise for a bunch of hypocrites like Thomas Gold. I will clean you from all of it. And not only that, verse 26, I will give you a what? Yes. Because my heart... I'll give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and I'll give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my ways. There's hope if you feel like your heart is dead and far away today. Some of you may not feel like you have a dead heart, but you may have a compromised heart this morning. And if you feel like you've compromised, 1 John 1.9 is your promise. If we confess our sins, He, God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from what? All unrighteousness. Or maybe today you have a tired heart. I'm tired of being hurt. I'm tired of being tired. I'm tired of things not going the way that I prefer they go. I'm tired of trying with Jesus. I'm tired. Isaiah 40. God gives power to the who? The faint. And to him who has no might... He increases strength. And then he tells us how. He tells us how. They who wait 
upon the Lord, will renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. Hard words from Jesus today who wants to set you free from things that would drag you down. What I'm going to invite you to do now, on your own, is just bow your head where you're at and talk to the Lord about your heart. Talk to the Lord about religious roboticness. Talk to the Lord about ways where you've demanded your preferences. Talk to the Lord about ways where you've wounded others. Talk to the Lord and say, I want your life fresh in me. You and Jesus' time.